Hey everyone, welcome back to Nerd is the New Cool. This is a really unique episode. I was lucky enough to be asked to take part in an interview put on by a new YouTube channel called STL Cast. Definitely suggest checking them out. They've only posted a few episodes, but essentially it's you know talking with people that have some type of connection to St. Louis. This interview, we were able to connect with Sean O'Connell, and if you're not familiar with who Sean O'Connell is, he is the managing director at cinemablend.com. He's also the co-host of Real Blend Podcast, but the main topic we talked we discussed was that he is the author of a new book coming out called Release the Snyder Cut. And if you're unfamiliar with that movement, uh, go ahead and search that really anywhere on the internet, but especially on Twitter, hashtag Release the Snyder Cut. There is a new version of Zack Snyder's Justice League that is coming out next month. And uh, Sean O'Connell is essentially an expert in the field and just a really cool opportunity to chat about it, discuss why it's even a thing, and what we have to look forward to. So, hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the STL Cast. I'm Doug Verby. Today, we've got a special episode. My special guest host is Justin from Nerd is the New Cool. Justin, how you doing? Doing great. How are you? I'm great. And our special guest, he is the managing director of Cinema Blend. He is the co-host of the Real Blend podcast and author of his first book, Release the Snyder Cut. I have Sean O'Connell here. Welcome to the show, Sean. Hello, Doug. Hello, Justin. Good to be with you guys. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Yeah, So, Sean, would would you mind telling us a little bit about how you got your start in film journalism? Sure. Absolutely. Um, It's been a while. I've been doing this for over 20 years now at this point for various outlets. Um, Started in print, uh, but also got into this right around the time that the it was 1998, 1999, and the web was really starting to take off. And a lot of sites that were getting up and running needed content more than anything else. So they were hiring uh, young writers and um, you're always going to need sort of entertainment coverage and pop culture coverage. And so I've been able to just sort of climb the ranks over the years. And I worked for places like USA Today and Washington Post because I used to live in Washington, D.C. Moved down here in North Carolina, landed at some online places like Fandango and um, FilmCritic.com. And then I've been at CinemaBun for the past eight or nine years, I'm going to guess, somewhere around there. So just staying busy and putting all my useless pop culture knowledge to uh, to good work. That's great. you mind telling us a little bit about your role at Cinema Blend? Sure. As the managing editor, uh, well, I started here as a, as a staff writer and climbed my way up the ranks. Basically just wrote uh, anything in the movies and television section that they needed me to do. Um, took on more of a managing editor role where we are um, assigning out stories to people and and making sure that our coverage is running on a, on a day-to-day basis. Graduated to doing more interviews for them and then got more and more comfortable with doing a lot of on-camera stuff for them. So um, we would do a lot of the press junkets where we go out and see movies early and then get to speak to the actors or directors that are part of it. Because I really enjoy doing that, I helped them launch a podcast uh, also. It's called The Real Blend Podcast. I do with two of my close friends who are also in that that press junket world, uh, Jake Hamilton and Kevin McCarthy. And the uh, three of us do a weekly segment where we, we catch up on movie news and then we usually get a director uh, who has a movie coming out. Directors tend to be better in that sort of long-form conversation. Uh, they want to get into the, the, the nuts and bolts of what makes their movies interesting. 
And um, so it, I do a lot of stuff for the YouTube channel. I do a lot of stuff for video on the site. And then I run the um, the real blend. And basically, I'm, I'm jack of all trades. You know, whatever they need me to do, I'm sort of plugging in and keeping the site moving. I'm really jealous about your uh, role in real blend. And your podcast is awesome, by the way. Thank you so much, man. We enjoy doing it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, you and Jake and Kevin have a great rapport. It, it really is uh, kind of cool. And I think it says a lot about Cinema Blend and, and Real Blend uh, podcast in general. So I'm sorry, did you want to add anything that? No, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you guys listening to it. <laughs> yeah. So your first book, uh, Release the Snyder Cut, The Crazy True Story That Saved Zack Snyder's Justice League is coming out March 1st. Uh, so I just wanted to cover the facts for anybody who didn't know that. Um, Zack Snyder wraps up principal photography on Justice League in the fall of 2016. It's his follow-up to Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman. During post-production, uh, the studio starts mandating changes and compromises. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stories behind the scenes there that may or may not ever come out, uh, some of it which is alluded to in your book. In May 2017, Zack announces that he's leaving the movie because in March of that year, he lost his daughter, Autumn, to suicide. Uh, Joss Whedon, the competitor's big gun that did uh, Avengers 1 and 2, is hired to replace him. Under Whedon, the movie undergoes extensive rewrites, massive reshoots, a new score. It's edited down to two hours. And on November 17th, 2017, the theatrical cut of Justice League was released, which basically is the weekend that the the release of Snyder Cut movement is born. Can you kind of take it in from there? And and Great recap. <laughs> Doug, that was a stellar recap. I've worked on it when somebody at a bar or something asked me, tell me about release of Snyder Cut. And I like I, I always go, how much time do you have? So, so I'm to get down to that. Most of the people who were just like dying to see this this movie, this theatrical version of Justice League, because for whatever reason, but whether they whether they loved Zach's movies prior to, whether they were just huge DC fans that couldn't wait to see these characters together for the first time on the big screen. Um, they went to the theatrical cut thinking that it was going to be uh, because the studio executives had told them this. No, Joss Whedon, yes, we've hired him, but he's really just going to be doing, um, continuing Zach's vision. He's just going to be touching up on it. And that ended up not being the case at all. So what they did was they came back and and like went through early uh, trailers and TV spots and just pointed at things that were like, that wasn't in there, that wasn't in there, that looked different when I saw it. And you're right, starting on November 17th and essentially going into that first opening weekend, the seeds of the Snyder Cut movement were laid out where people started to believe like, okay, there's an alternate cut of Justice League and, and we got to sort of figure out what went wrong here. Now, I've seen that happen multiple times since then, but a lot of those other movements kind of phase out, you know, because there's no meat on that bone necessarily. But the Snyder Cut uh, movement had plenty of fodder that they could go after, and they they didn't quit. They had no real quit in them. Um, and two things were were uh, were beneficial to them for that. One was that there were key members of the movement who really rallied the troops and kept them focused and organized early on and kept um, saying, no, this is our goal. This is the keep the eye on the prize kind of thing, because that those types of groups can sort of splinter and, and, and lose focus and go off in different directions. The other thing that really helped was that Zach encouraged it. You know, that Zach basically said, you guys are on to something. And he, he said that without saying it outright, you know, like he would, he used the, a social media tool that he's very fond of called Vero. And he would use that to share uh, images or or video clips or well not video clips images primarily every once in a while he would show a little bit of video that 
that backed up the claim that there's an alternate cut out there. So think about it. If you're a, honestly at that point, like a quote unquote conspiracy theorist who's sitting there saying like, I'm pretty sure there's an alternate cut of this superhero movie. If you don't give that rumor oxygen, it, it dies out. But Snyder every once in a while would open up the door and say like, yes, there is something, keep going. And he was able to sustain that momentum for the better part of three years where the movement just kept getting stronger and stronger and collecting more and more people who bought into it and believed. And um, it led all the way up to a, a, a trending event in November of 2019 where the movement aimed for uh, 214,000 uh, tweets using the hashtag release the Snyder Cut because 214 was a magical number for the people in the movement where they believed that Zach's cut was 214 minutes long and instead they blew they they crossed a million uses of the hashtag that day because the the movement just went nuts over the course of it was november 17th 2019 and hbo max points at that day as the day that they essentially said like we can't ignore this anymore we have to we have to do something to get this version of this movie out there the fans are the fans are loud enough so what kind of made you want to write a book about it I mean, everything I just mentioned, um, you know, as someone who has tracked the film industry my whole life, I've never seen anything like this. Um, I, I understand getting super passionate about a movie, you know, and I can understand, I can connect on an emotional level when that movie doesn't live up to your expectations. And when there's nefarious reasons behind the scenes uh, to make you say like, okay, a lot of things really went wrong here. I, I got interested in the behind the scenes from, from a movie making perspective, as far back as when they hired Whedon to replace Zack Snyder on the movie, like the idea that they would get Marvel's top guy to come over and complete a DC movie is just bizarre. Uh, and so that was an odd move. And then when you step back and think like, if you had to hire a director with a specific vision to finish Zack Snyder's vision, you wouldn't get Joss Whedon. They just make different movies. They don't have the same voice. So all of that was really fascinating to me. And then as I was laying out to um, my wife, I was bouncing the idea off of her. This is a book that I'm interested in telling. And, and this is the story. I got into the technical aspects of Snyder Cut and, and the, the the Justice League that came out and all the stuff. And, and these people on social media who are fighting really hard to get it released. And she said, she goes, no, I, I, under, I get why you're interested in the movie side of it. But as a casual audience member, like, I don't care about that stuff's not interesting to me. She's like, tell me why those people are, are doing this every single day on social media. Like, how come they're being as vocal and as active as they are? And I said, I, I don't know the answer to that question. So I got to know the people in the movement. Like, I took the time to reach out and talk to uh, anyone who was associated with the movement and then work my way deeper and deeper into the people who had been organizing these campaigns and as I got to hear their story and, and you know, figure out what motivated them, it just felt like a, a story that I wanted to spend time documenting. So as you got a closer look to some of these individuals, what kind of surprised you about that? Not only just lovers of Zack Snyder's film, but what kept them cohesive that this movement continued for, you know, three years? The, the way that they believed in their cause. Um, and it wasn't just... I realized really early on with the folks that it wasn't just a movie, you know, it wasn't, Hey, we want to see this superhero movie um, because Zach and Debbie Snyder, uh, Deborah Snyder is Zach's wife and his producer on these films because they lost their daughter. Uh, and, and 
Autumn's suicide was the reason given for him having to walk away from the film. The release of Snyder Cut movement went above and beyond to additionally raise funds for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, uh, like for everything that they did. Any sort of marketing that they did, they raised money for AFSP. So as I got to get to know the people in the movement, they would tell me deeply personal stories about why that battle for mental health uh, or that battle for suicide prevention gave them an in to care even more about um, the Snyder Cut and and that version. There's also a ton of people in the movement who just, they believe wholeheartedly in artistic integrity and they don't like what happened to Zach behind the scenes. They think that he was legitimately robbed of a chance to complete a movie. Um, And then there's people who just, you know, because they love DC or because they love Zach's filmmaking, bought into his style of storytelling and wanted to see the completed version of that film. So all of those reasons together made me realize, and even listening to everyone's personal stories, made me feel about something, you know, in my own fandom that I would have, I would have been that passionate about. And if you had told me, like, I always swapped out the title Justice League and put in something that I deeply cared about and said, like, if it had gone through all of this stuff that Justice League had gone through, would I have been fighting quite as hard? And and I probably would have. You know, I, I, I understood their passion and their fandom from that point of view. And um, it helped me connect with them. I think there's always a challenge in creating anything. Um, can you maybe tell us about any personal struggles you had while writing this book or if you second guessed yourself at any point? Yeah, I never wrote a book. (laughs) And if you're watching this, it's way harder than you think. Um, Even, and this one's not even like a massive book. It's 223 pages, I think is what it finishes off at. Um, I'm used to publishing for the web. And so, you know, we aim for shorter, tighter, you know, people are going to read it on their phone. Um, and and I even don't think that I did as good of a job of of really letting the story breathe uh, and getting into the nitty gritty. Like the book allows you, a book allows you to get into the real nitty gritty details of a story. Um, but it was tough with this one because I still felt like I was like racing the clock because so many things were happening um, with the movement as I was writing the book that something major would happen. And I'd think like, all right, I got to get that in somehow. And it's hard to just work something in. And and this, it gets around to the fact that like, when I embarked on this project, I started off doing it without ever thinking that the Snyder Cut was going to come out. Like, I just wanted to capture this moment and say like, there there was a fight for the Snyder Cut. Um, if it ever comes out, these are the people who probably got it to happen. And legitimately in May of, no, well, in April of 2020, I was supposed to have the book delivered to my publisher in June. So in April, it was done. I mean, I, I had come to the conclusion that it was it was wrapped and we're ready to go. And then in May of 2020, Zach was able to announce that the cut is coming. And my publisher gave me an additional month. They were like, okay, you can have until July. Rewrite your ending, you know, <laughs> tweak what you have to tweak. And here's the best possible ending you could hope for, which is the Snyder Cut is coming. And I will never if I live to be 150, I will never be able to accept the fact that, that the book is coming out 17 days ahead of the actual Snyder cut coming. Cause when I finally did get a chance to interview Zach, 
um, he said something that's always going to be really important to me. He said, look, man, I know, I know when you started this, you know, he wasn't able to talk for the book until um, he announced the cut. And he said to me, um, I know when you started this and when you did, you took a real leap of faith because he goes, personally, I didn't think we were going to get to release it. He goes, I thought it would be, you know, 15, 20 years down the road, we would do a documentary one day and we would have some clips to show to people of like, here's what the Snyder Cut would have looked like. Um, But I think he was just as surprised that they got this done as quickly as they did. And so the fact that it lines up with the release of the book is, is dumbfounding to me. I'm glad to hear that you're 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 very positive about this. I think a lot of people, you know, writing a, a topic like your book is might feel like this was a real challenge, but you know, the opposite is almost occurring, right? Well, to the point where I'm, I've already dove into a second book because I've now just become um, addicted to that. Like I need to be working on something like that. Like it's really creatively rewarding um, to take. I mean, there's two metaphors you can go for. Like one is just is taking the pieces of a puzzle, you know, and really snapping them into place and being really satisfied when it all comes together. Like that's kind of what it is with a book. But then also there's the metaphor of like just this giant block of ice and you just slowly whittling away at it, you know, and and figuring out. And, And that's, again, writing for the web is like you can sit down and do three stories in a day and they might be three wildly different topics. But I also do like when you have time to just sit down and really think over a, um, a topic and and burrow into what makes it interesting and then trying to make it interesting for a reader, you know? So um, that, it's a different challenge. You're flexing a different creative muscle and it's it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. So even though the end of the story changed, the actual end of your book didn't change. Can you tell us about the way you engage the fans to help write that? write the epilogue of your book? Yes. Thank you so much for asking me about that. Because um, when I didn't know that the cut was coming, I came up with an idea that I'm still very proud of, um, which is I wanted to turn the book over to Zach's fans. Um, Because the one thing that I learned over the course of this is just how global his fan base is and just truly how passionate they are about him uh, and his films. And they love him. They legitimately love him. Like I, I have said this in some other uh, podcast episodes that I've been doing and show interviews I'm doing because I've, I've really come to realize this. If it wasn't Zack Snyder who directed this, uh, you know, who, who had worked on Justice League before it got taken away from him, I'm not quite sure that whichever filmmaker it was would have had the same passionate fan base uh, that wanted to fight to see their cut of the of the movie. Snyder's fans are are so so passionate. So I gave them an opportunity to send me a message um, for the end of the book where I said, I'm going to turn the, I'm going to turn the final chapter over to you guys. And on the off chance, you know, that Zach picks up this book uh, one day, what is a message that you would like to send to him? You know? And I think I ended up with 156 different messages from, from fans all over the globe uh, who sent me and I had to whittle some of them down just for room. But if you if you sent me a message, I included it. Like I, I made sure that there was something in there for it. And they're wonderful. I mean, each one is is more inspiring than the next of just how Zach's movies touched him. And some people move, well, you know, are pursuing trying to be a filmmaker uh, because of of his work, how he's inspired them. Or people talk about really difficult times in their life that they got through because of his films, Man of Steel or, or BVS, you know, coming around at the at the right time. And you can't help but but just melt when you hear this, you know, it reminds you again of 
of anybody who inspires you in any field, um, whether it be an author or a filmmaker or teacher or anybody like that. And so um, I, I was really, really happy to to get that uh, chapter in there. And, you know, my not my publisher. My publisher really liked it. My agent read it and he was like, I, you have like 30 something pages of just fan notes you know, in here. Uh, and I said, I know I understand, but I, I even, I think even uh, you know, yes, people will go through and probably try to find their message. But I think as you read through everyone else's messages, I think it helps hammer home the point of just how important Zach is to, uh, to his fan base. Yeah. I think I would go find my message first, but that's also <laughs> That's an amazing way this to acknowledge the fandom and like how powerful they are and how impactful like, you know, artists like Snyder can be. Um, so just to kind of piggyback on that, what do you think that the legacy is going to be of this uh, release of Snyder Cut movement 10, 20 years down the road? Gosh, um, I mean, it's unprecedented, you know, yeah, I, I and truly that's that's why I sat down to, to really document this this uh, accomplishment, because. I've never seen anything like it. And, you know, it's always going to be a touchstone. It's always going to be something that people are going to reference and say, like, right, but what about that time they released the Snyder Cut? <laughs> released the Snyder Cut. Right. It's something that's it's it's infiltrated our pop culture lexicon, you know? Like, you can mention it in ca casual conversation, and people at least sort of know what you're talking about. Um, but, and I get asked this a lot, like, is this going to change the way that the industry does this? And I, I don't, I don't believe that it's going to, because I still really do think that this is a singularity. You know, there's so many factors that led to uh, an actual Snyder cut having to exist. And, um, you know, one of the things that I think really sped along the reality of it getting released is, is just the existence of streaming services, which we didn't have, you know, X amount of years ago. And if HBO Max didn't exist and they were trying to get Zach's movie into a theater, if you think about the way that everything's been delayed due to COVID, um, you know, it'd be years before they got a, a legitimate. And then you come around with a four hour cut, like movies don't touch movies that long. Oh, movie theaters don't touch movies that are that long because financially you can't play them that often a day. You know, you need to get a 90 minute movie that you can play five or six times a day. So it would, it would have been much more of an uphill climb. Um, everything really feels like it just broke like people will look back on this five or 10 years later, honestly, and they'll say like, it's ridiculous how well everything sort of broke in that movie's favor in this short period of time. The fans stayed unified just long enough um, to convince the studio to change its mind. The studio had a uh, an avenue, a viable avenue in which to put the movie out, you know, like we're all talking about HBO max right now, but who knows where we're going to be in five years. Cause we didn't know what HBO max was five years ago, you know? So everything else could change in a different direction. Zach also maintained the desire to work on it, you know, to complete it, to get it out there. But let's say in five years, he got onto another track of storytelling and, and decided like, okay, DC's I've moved on sort of thing. There's all these things that had to come together at this one. It's like, you know, the end of Back to the Future with the lightning strike, you know, hitting the clock tower, like all these things had to happen. And uh, I think we're all still trying to piece it together now. And it seems impossible. And so then personally, when you ask me if this book that I started writing two years ago is going to land in that sweet spot, too, it's impossible. It's just impossible. Um, you alluded to the fact that you've got the writing bug. Uh, your second book is about... Um, Spider-Man in the um, cinematic 
universe of Spider-Man. And uh, that's with great power. Yes, sir. Along on Twitter. Uh, but I noticed on New Year's Eve that this kind of went under the radar that you said um, the release of the Snyder Cut book is only half the story. I'm going to write about the campaign to restore the Snyderverse. Is there anything? One, did you confirm that you're writing, working on a third book? And is there anything you can tease about that? So all I can say right now is that all I'm doing is taking notes because when I finally decided to write, uh, release a Snyder cut, while I had been reporting on this throughout the entire process, I, I never stopped at any time to put all any kind of notes together. Um, so I literally had to start from scratch and like build a, build a form, a template, you know, build a chapter structure and build all that stuff. Now what I'm doing is taking copious notes about all this stuff as it's happening. Uh, with the idea in mind of, as all this stuff comes together, uh, a third book may be possible. You know, a lot of it does have to be like, does the Snyderverse get restored? Do we get to see Ben Affleck's Batman in some format um, as a TV series or as a movie? Um, does Zach get a chance to continue his five film arc? So I'm tracking all of that. And I would like to do a third book. Um but a lot of a lot of stuff sort of has to happen beforehand, and so. But also, just because of that, um, because I'm still waiting for that story to completely develop. Um, Spider-Man sort of leap, leapfrogged over him, and I was able to close a publishing deal to to get that story going. So hopefully, it means I'll be busy for the next couple of years, as long as people want to want to read it. So, well, congratulations and good luck with that. We'll just do a couple quick hits. We know you got we you got to get out of here. Um, true or false? Zack Snyder will direct another DC movie. Just your opinion, no inside knowledge. True. Okay. I'm hopefully optimistic as well. Um, your most anticipated upcoming Marvel project. I know you're a big fan of the MCU. Oh, Spider-Man 3, without I mean, a doubt. Oh, without a doubt. But I'll also say um, the Fantastic Four. I can't cool. wait to see. I want to see MCU Fantastic Four. I'm just intrigued to see where WandaVision is going. Um, Agreed. You're a Charlotte guy. True or false? The Hornets are going to make the playoffs. True. Okay. <laughs> you got a player there. Uh, he's a stud. And probably the toughest question of the uh, afternoon, who is going to be the Carolina Panthers quarterback next year? Deshaun Watson. Ooh, good call. I'm staying optimistic. That's, I would have taken cool. Deshaun Watson or Matthew Stafford. I would have been happy with either of them. Yeah. Um, the fact that we were in pursuit of Stafford tells me that they are off Teddy Bridgewater which I'm okay with. I like Teddy. Nice guy, but he's not the long-term solution. Sure. Yeah. All right. As we close things out, uh, we just wanted to notice that uh, we do. Um, Cinema Blend does have a St. Louis connection. Gabe Kovic, your real uh, Blend podcast producer. Yes, sir. He's a St. Louis guy. Uh, he's a big St. Louis Blues fan. So tell him let's go Blues from Doug and Justin from St. Louis. Um, <laughs> I absolutely will, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, can you tell everybody where we can find you? Yes, of course. I'm at Sean underscore O'Connell. It's S-E-A-N, as you can see in my name down there. Um, the book has its own Twitter account, RTSC Book. Um, you can pre-order it now if you'd like to. It drops on March 1st. Uh, there's an ebook version. Uh, we're working on having an audiobook version as well, too. And so um, thank you so much, everybody, for having any interest in this story. And I hope that you appreciate the book when you check it out. We appreciate you joining us. Thank you for your time. Uh, and thank you for everything that you're doing for the movement. And uh, good luck with the book. Thank you, guys. This was a pleasure. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. All right. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Wow, what a really cool interview I was able to be a part of. Hope you enjoyed it. Super interesting just to learn all of the ins and outs about just the whole release the Snyder Cut movement. 
Um, I don't think I re- realized how, honestly, how powerful the voice of the people can be as it applies to unreleased content for comic book films. So anyway, hope you learned something. Big thank you again to STL Cast Podcast for inviting us to be a part of this. If you want to, number one, see some of their other episodes, but also actually watch this one, again, hop on YouTube, STL Cast Podcast. And then lastly, certainly check out the book, which is called Release the Snyder Cut, the crazy true story behind the fight that saves Zack Snyder's Justice League, available on Amazon and probably everywhere else you can find books or audiobooks um, on March 1st. So until then, I will be joined by my partner as always, John, for our next episode. Look forward to that. Everyone be safe out there. Bye-bye. <laughs>